preparing for today that a passage of scripture that might help and encourage and inspire is Psalm 46. How amazing it is that thousands of years ago God inspired people to write words that would cut across the centuries and comfort God's people. So let me read afresh to you familiar words. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with surging. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I wonder when it feels like the ground underneath you is giving way and all that was secure in life is crumbling and falling apart. When it feels like you're about to be overwhelmed or drowned, who do you turn to for encouragement? For words that will help you on the way. Of course, these days, we can go into a number of shops and you will find some pleasant little ditties 
that you can buy and put on your wall and hang around to help encourage you on life's journeys. I present to you but a few, I hope. When life brings big winds of change that almost blow you over, close your eyes, hold on tight and believe. Believe in what? I don't know, but encouraging words. Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. I don't know whether that helps. Believe you can and you're halfway there. But where are you going? Are you going in the right direction? Your mind is a powerful thing. When you fill it with positive thoughts, your life will begin to change. If I'm being honest, a lot of these things I usually would look for the vomit bowl. They're nice, sentimental thoughts and phrases, but what are they rooted in? Shoot for the moon. Even if you miss it, you'll land among the stars. Really? The likelihood you'd be frozen to death if you were shooting for the moon. I suppose I'm making little of them, but the world around us places a lot on some of these things. Who do we turn to in those difficult places and those difficult moments? But on a lighter moment, I like this one. God has no phone, but I talk to him. He has no Facebook, but he's still my friend. He does not have a Twitter, but I still follow him. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? But for the people of God, over centuries, here's been something that has hung on the walls of homes and mirrors. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. It goes on to then say, because of that, therefore, we will not fear. When the kitchen sink of life is thrown at us, We will not fear, not out of sentimentality, but because God is our refuge. And in being our refuge, He becomes our strength. So when the chaos around us comes, and it will, and when there appears to be despair and trouble upon trouble, and it will, where is that safe place? For us. And God offers us to be our refuge. A refuge is a safe place in which to run to. It's predominantly in the Old Testament and the, an image. There are the cities of refuge which were established to provide a safe place of sanctuary 
if somebody needed saving and salvation and escaping and being pursued and were looking for justice to be done. Today we have places of refuge that provide especially for women and children escaping domestic violence when they have lost everything and in great danger even of death. A refuge provides that place of protection, safety, comfort and help. History tells us of people fleeing violence and trauma and seeking refugee status in other countries. How much do we see that today in our world? They're looking to be welcomed when no one else will. They're looking for a safe place. They're looking for peace to be restored and for the opportunity to rebuild their lives. Where do you run to when the storms of life come? The psalmist says that some trust in chariots and horses. Or perhaps translated today, we might say, some trust in powerful institutions like the banks or politicians or armies. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Because we know history tells us that all those things and more let us down. Maybe you're fiercely independent and will trust no one. The Gospel writer said, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And we know what happened to him, don't we? The house fell with a great crash. But the house on the rock stood firm even amidst the storm. The storm still came, but the house on the rock stood firm. And Scripture has this image painted for all generations that God alone is the ultimate refuge. And so it encourages us to flee to Him, to run to Him, because He's been tried And he's been tested. Moses expresses it in one of his songs in Deuteronomy. He says, The eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Jesus' powerful words in John's Gospel says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. It seems that it's a matter of trust, and it's an act of the will, of the will. 
the reassurance that Christ gives is that our Heavenly Father is more powerful than anyone else and no one but no one can snatch us from his hand. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, it says, will be saved. The Israelites had a history of being oppressed and set free, of being lost and found, of being hungry and provided for. And they lived with heartaches and tears. The psalmist again sums up the variety of images of this place's of refuge in Psalm 144 he said he is my loving God do you know I've read this psalm I don't know how many times before but it, it caught me afresh I thought does it really say that he is my loving God and my fortress and my stronghold and my deliverer my shield in whom I take refuge. Peterson translates Psalm 46 in the message version with these words, God is a safe place to hide, ready to help when we need him. We stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquake. Before the rush and the roar of oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. God is our refuge, our safe place. And I wonder sometimes, is it possible that even in those hard places, God has his hand upon our circumstances? I don't wonder, I know that God has his hand upon us in those difficult places. I'm always mindful of the prodigal son that all seem to be great and wonderful for a moment in time. But then we read the famine came. The difficult moments in life came. He was struggling to eat and drink. The famine came. And it seems to me that God, in that story, used those famine, those difficult places, those broken, those chaotic places, to cause the prodigal to turn his eyes once more to the Father and to cry out for help. And I just wonder whether the famine may have hit in your own personal circumstances and that famine, that difficult place, may be part of your life story and journey with God that would cause you to call out to him and to run to him refuge I don't know about you but it seems to me in those difficult places it's those times when actually we draw closer to God and we listen more carefully do we run to God in those difficult moments or do we blame him for everything and he offers strength, strength to the weary, to sustain us, to keep us going, to see it through. When someone's extremely weak you, and unable to take much food, you will know that they may be prescribed things like Complan. 
you know, that looks like mud and you mix it up, this powder, in order to try and nourish someone and get something in them to keep them alive and to build them up and keep them going. And I guess if you've ever taken that stuff, I've certainly dished it up many a times in the past, if ever you've taken that stuff, well, they try and flavour it a bit more these days. Is it doing me any good? The results are, it does bring some results. And it seems to me that when we're reading God's Word, it's like heavenly foods that can be equated to physical food. You'll remember those special meals or that roast dinner that you had. It was fabulous. And those sprouts were just how I liked them. But there may not be too much excitement, nor might it not be memorable of the lunch you had last Monday. But you know it did you good. It nourished and it sustained you. And there are times when God's Word jumps off the page and there are memorable moments and it did us good. But there are also many times when we read God's Word that are less memorable and did I ever get anything out of it? But just like the comp plan, if you like, you know it's nourishing the soul and keeping you going and strengthening you to put one foot in the front of the other. So let's not neglect God's word that it would come and bring that resurrection power to our situations as we run to him. He's an ever-present help, it says. What a relief that is. I guess we may see the NHS Direct or 999 or the RAC or the Royal Lifeboats, the Air Ambulance, your best friend, your other half might be break glass in emergency, your ever-present help in time of need. But God himself offers to be that. We have limitations, but he offers to be that ever-present help A help that can be found when you need it. He's always on call, 24-7 if you like, to come and rescue and save us. I'm forgetting my other little phrases there. Have you ever thought of God as that loving, caring parent? I know as a parent, I would go to the ends of the earth to help my kids if they were in a place of distress. I'm sure you would too. And like any good parents, we want the best for our kids. I wonder if you can hear God speaking to you now. I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so when the tsunami of life hits our shores, run to him, turn to him, be saved by him, be rescued, be shielded, be kept 
by him and for him. And for a moment the psalmist seems to shift his eyes and has a, from the chaos around him of the, of the earthquakes and the wind and the fire etc. And he has a glimpse of heaven. Or maybe for the Jews of Zion where the, the temple and the presence of God was. And it's a reminder that God dwells amongst his people. I wonder if you noticed too in this psalm that uh, they too had choruses. Choruses are not new things. And they had a chant and a chorus that every now and again, verse 7 and verse 11, it then summed it up and said, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's like a chant that helps us to shift our eyes from the troubles back to God's. It helps us to get perspective and clarity. Just like Paul when he turned and said, if God's for us, who can be against us? And I'm not wanting to be flippant about those difficult places in our lives, but Scripture teaches us to lift our eyes higher to Him. To see who He is and who is the one that is with us. And so, for instance, for today, in some of the challenging places that I know some of us are in, if our family or friends misunderstand us and choose to turn away from us, let's say, let's say, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If our boss is pushing us around or making us work longer hours for less pay or cutting corners or lowering standards, let's say the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If we're unemployed and we've been made to feel invisible, unwanted on the scrap heap material, let's say the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If you're waiting for the doctor to share his diagnosis, let's say, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If we are housebound and isolated, let's remind ourselves, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If the household bills are becoming overwhelming, if your children are giving you heartache and grief, let's pray. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then you see a little phrase in this psalm where it says, Selah. I don't think anybody fully understands what that little, tiny little word means. But it seems that some understanding of that word sila means to pause and consider. Or if you like, we might say, take a breath and ponder and consider. And then God's voice breaks through and those words that we're very familiar with near the end there, be still and know that I am God. When 
the storm is still raging. God speaks, be still and know that I am God. The message translation says, step out of the traffic, take a long loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. Another translation says, cease from striving, desist. Pictorially, most of the commentators say it's like a parent struggling with, it, with the two children. Or a teacher breaking up a fight in a, in a schoolyard. It doesn't necessarily mean be quiet and calm, but more of stop what you're doing and be still. We've done that, haven't we? Will you just stop it? And let's take a breath and be still and allow God to be God in our situation. It's a God thing. Only when that we stop those frantic activities can we begin to experience God acting on our behalf. And the word came to Moses which said the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Be still. Stop fighting. Stop trying to sort it all out yourself. But stop and wait and look for the gracious, victorious hand of God at work on behalf of his people and his creation. God sees the tears, the joys, the sadness, the injustice, the loneliness, the struggles that life throws at us and he promises to be the safe place, a hiding place to run to. We have an invitation to come to him this morning. It's a reminder to listen only to him of all the many voices around us giving us advice, ease your very present help in time of need. God is closer than you think. God is closer than you think. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Pause and consider that fact. Be still and let him take charge. As we come around the Lord's table and we remember his extravagant love and grace towards us. It's an invitation to come. And as we draw near to him, he draws near to us.
we're just going to use one or two worship songs as we prepare to come around the Lord's table. But I want to give the opportunity for us to pray too. And if you're wanting prayer, for whatever reason, even if it's for you, it's just a sense of you stepping out and almost a signal to God, I'm run and fit together in vibrant harmony, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. Can I invite those who are going to serve us, please?